Hello there, Vitamizers, and welcome back to the How Do You Health podcast. As always, I'm Allison here in Austin, Texas with Slenderella and your co-hosts, Nurse Doza and Baldo with Tex-Mex Yogi. Um, I say I'm in Austin because I'm recording this in Austin, but when you guys hear this, Baldo and I will actually be in Barcelona. I think we'll be still in Barcelona at that point. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, the two of us, including um, a third, uh, my boyfriend, uh, the three of us are actually going to be... Um, traveling around Spain. We don't really have a plan. Barcelona is going to be the home base kind of, but we're renting a car and figuring out from there. So (laughs) that's fun. And I say that in this intro just because Baldo and myself and possibly Alex will be trying to record at least one episode of the podcast while we're over there. So stay tuned for that in further episodes. Now, before I introduce today's guest... The How Do You Health podcast is brought to you by Slenderella. Slenderella is a vitamin shot and IV blend that was designed to help your liver function optimally. It got its name when the creators started noticing that liver detox was causing many clients to lose weight. Now there is a whole line of different Slenderella blends that you can customize for your needs, as well as a supplement line to support all of your Slenderella goals. You can find distributors and more information at www.slenderellausa.com. This podcast is recorded at MSW Lounge. MSW Lounge is located in Westlake Hills in Austin, Texas. They provide a variety of services, including vitamin shots and IVs, the whole Slenderella family, concierge medicine, chiropractic, massage therapy, a vitamin drink bar, and tons of other local company offerings for ways to clean up your health and naturally stay that way for a long time. Find out more at www.mswlounge.com. This podcast is sponsored by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date on their events and programs. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more at www.flabstofitness.com. Today's guest is Charles Statch, and I hope I'm saying that right. I I listened to the recording a few times, so Charles, I hope I said it right. <laughs> um, but he is a biotechnology specialist as well as a health coach, and that's a really interesting blend if you ask me. Uh, we talk a lot in the office about blending Eastern and Western philosophies, and that sounds like he is embodying it in his practice. So really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Here is Charles Statch on the How Do You Health podcast. All right, guys. So welcome to the How Do You Health podcast. Once again, we have Charles Statch. He's a biotechnology specialist and health and wellness coach. I'm excited to, to learn about uh, blending those two things together because uh, I think that's a newer thing, right? Like now that technology has gone to apps and all this other stuff, it's like how do we turn this biohacking uh, community or bio all the things communities into like making it on your hand? Is that kind of what you deal with? Um, yeah, 
Absolutely. That's um, that's pretty good way of putting it together because the technology is expanding and growing so fast, uh, especially in the field of genetics, which is what I specialize in. Um, and that's the forefront of the industry and that's where the industry is heading. And um, if, if we can stay on par with all the current technology and help apply that to uh, everybody, every day's life um, and their workout techniques, their diet, nutrition, um, and just tie all of those things in. That's what my company is actually working to do. I have a biotechnology company that's launching in April uh, and it's using genetic information and genetic testing to tie in a lot of the kind of wearable technologies and other um, information that we collect on a daily basis. And that's what people like me do is we collect the information and we interpret the data and give people the answer. Um, the biggest problem I see in that kind of self quantification is that people don't know how to interpret the information. They collect all this information. They wear these wearable technologies. Um, they uh, get basically, they, they kind of just get fixated on these wearable technologies, the watches, the monitors, and they look at the information and they really don't know where to go with it or, or what to do with it. So, um, again, that's kind of what I help my clients and, and my people do. And that's how I meld the two industries together is I use the genetic testing, which is a newer technology and combine that with, uh, just basically weightlifting techniques and, and dietary, uh, recommendations. That's awesome. And to finish the, the intro real quick, uh, we got nurse Doza once again, and we're, this is going to be great because we, 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 uh, touching on the subject of like getting data and not knowing what to do with it. We, deal with that all the time we just had a conversation about even just diets earlier uh from that aspect it's like oh like even just looking at the scale kind of deal right like and it's like no like it's not just about that but um i'm text yogi we're gonna get this uh party started so go ahead yeah so we met last year at paleo fx and we had a really good conversation and before we started recording you were just talking about you were still trying to connect with paleo fx connections literally all the people that you met from the one year that was our first year there and nice. going back again this year, I can honestly say we're thankful for Paleo FX because it made us like it, it made it, it brought us to the forefront of the health and wellness community and it connected us with like-minded individuals. I know we struck up a conversation in the VIP lounge and it was great because I saw and heard some of your vision, biotechnology, genetics, like you're at the forefront of research. And I think that's what's needed uh, because you see so many trends in the health and wellness world. Everyone wants to uh, biohack this. They want, I mean, I saw today the new thing is uh, uh, butthole suntan. <laughs> yes. God, yes. Honest, dude, I swear. Okay, so I didn't know this was a thing <laughs> until Baldo showed me. And the first thing that comes up on my Instagram is, you know, Dave Asprey doing it. And uh, it's funny because someone did research somewhere along the line and said, yes, this is good for us, right? And so you're the guy, basically, that does the research that tells us whether or not this stuff is legit or not, right? Pretty much. I, I look at the, how the research was done that says and supports that concept. And I tell people like, hey, this is, they don't really have enough statistical data to support what they're claiming. Um, and, it, you know, it's, I doubt that it's going to boost your creativity by 10,000%. Um, it's, it's one of those things that I help people interpret this information because most people do not know how to simply read, um, even review literature yet alone primary literature. And uh, a lot of the review that is 
people don't understand that that's the interpretation from a professional perspective about multiple primary research articles. Um, and it, that doesn't mean that that article is true either. You know, you have to kind of interpret that and form your own opinion before you can apply that information. Um, and this is again about, this is the weakness in our society currently is that we have access to so much yet we don't know what to do with it. And um, it, even in the professional level, and that's what I see the most is that when I step into a company and work with their lab or work on their lab, I really just focus on the basics and that's focusing on standard operating procedures and getting stuff to be very systematic where they can do it, you can do it, I can walk you into the room and you have zero skill and you just follow the recipe how to perform that research or that assay. Um, and this is something that as a professional industry, we're losing um, the structure in that sense. Everything's kind of getting to kind of willy nilly and, and free form. And we're losing some of the organized structure that helps other people perform the same research that we're saying claims about and that we're saying supports our beliefs and our um, objective data and our, our kind of perception of the world. So uh, it's, it's interesting. I think it's really cool. Um, you know, that we do have this opportunity and if we just take and listen to professionals and have like, I love your guys's lunch talks. Like those things are the best things to me. It's like, if you can get a group of people together and have educated conversation and discuss some of these research articles or some of the new trends or some of the, the latest and greatest techniques, uh, it educates people and as a whole, as a community, then we can educate more people and we have more of a platform to stand on. And, and that's what we need. We need more intellectual conversation about this stuff rather than just arguing and just pointing fingers. And that's what we do with our training and with our nutrition is we say, this is the problem where it's a, it's a whole slew of things. That's the problem. It's not just one thing. Um, and Speaking of the genetics, that's the, the, the biggest pet peeve I have right now is that everybody is tied up in what's called like a genetic theory that it's set in stone. You have a scarlet letter, whatever your gene is, you're stuck with that. You're never going to change from it. You could have the gene for diabetes and never have diabetes, you know? So it's not about what's in like what's written in the story. It's about what you, what you do with that. We just had a guest on our podcast that it described it well. She said, basically, it's like a like our genetics is like the keys on the piano. What we do and the environment we do is that like that's how we play that piano. That's this what the result is from playing those keys. So it's just we're we're taking information and running with it. And even as professionals, we're not having that discussion. We're not challenging our thought. We're not questioning what we're saying. We're getting dogmatic. We're sticking to our guns and it's causing warfare all across the board. Yeah. yeah. There, there's so much that you just said in there that I just want to, that, that, uh, that I just want to like, you know, continue the conversation more on. But my favorite thing that you just said is that you mentioned the lunch and learns because that is like my favorite thing as well too. One of the things, one of our stories that we keep sharing is that um, we have two foundations for our business and, and just everything that we do. And I even today, earlier today, I said, it's really neat because it's becoming easier to make decisions for our business 
when the two things that we care about the most is education and helping other people grow. And the Lunch and Learn kind of ha has that feeling where like people are in here and they're learning and they're communicating with each other and then there's just so much growth going on. But at the same time, it's like you said, like it's not just about having the information, it's like let's talk about it and see how we can, you know, improve together, right? Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I think one of the coolest things now is, and you'll, you'll probably agree with me on this, Chuck, is that this is the best time ever to be a human because of the technology and the knowledge that we're optimistic about. You know, we have information right now. We have information in the past hundred years, you know, from science and medicine. And right now it's unlimited as far as the potential to unlock our genes with the Human Genome Project, you know, back in the 90s, it unlocked the potential for DNA manipulation right and i think once you start doing that you're embarking in a whole nother world of genetics you're talking about um a whole new level of manipulating longevity right so if you look at disease everything from stress and inflammation causes disease epigenetics and even genetics from the SNP standpoint is trying to override the system like what you just talked about just because you're dealt with this doesn't mean that's the final blow we're getting closer to almost overriding genetics, right? I mean, that's what you're dealing with on a daily basis. Absolutely. And it's, you know, you, can we play God? You know, like that's kind of the question that you ask in that sense is, can you manipulate the environment so much that you have ideal conditions for optimal growth? Um, and, you know, I don't, I, I think that we're still not there in that sense. And I, it's going to be a while for that to, to unfold, but I think we're very close. I mean, you're seeing cancer treatments being way more effective due to genetic testing and the way that people are testing kind of the, 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 um, basically the different ways that your body, uh, metabolizes these drugs. And because of that, you can tell if you're going to make somebody sick or if they're going to have an effective treatment. Uh, and the cytochrome pathways is what I was trying to say. Yeah. And it's, it's basically how the body processes that. And then because of that, the medicine has grown and gone to, to new bounds. Um, and as a professional, that's what my goal is, is I know that I can effectively help more people if I just help connect the dots. Like I'm just trying to help connect this professor with this professor and this technology with this technology. And I can't even discuss what I'm working on currently because it's patent pending technology that is basically going to change and revolutionize that communication process uh, between how we tie all this stuff together. Well, I think it's a necessity because one thing that has led me to this point to here is, is evidence-based research. You know, that's, that was the topic, you know, years ago, ev functional medicine is evidence-based, which means that there's research to back up the idea of using nutraceuticals and vitamins and IV therapy and NAD and, and infrared light. There's research that's being done and it has been done. A the funny thing about it is a lot of the research, especially here in America at the universities, has done like, you know, research on like curcumin and turmeric and glutathione, but it's a lot of like the Eastern countries that have been doing this for a long period of time and are still providing the newer research. I almost feel like if we were in better communication amongst the American universities, we'd be able to push each other in a way to where our advancement in technology and science would be at almost up to par with a lot of what the European countries are doing and what the Chinese universities are doing because ashwagandha, for example, has been used for thousands of centuries. Western medicine is only starting to understand the power <laughs> of ashwagandha. And you're like, we got to think 
further than on that. Well, the right? first thing, the thing is, how do we monetize this, right? Like, how right. do we do more of it, at, you know, in larger quantities of it? But, but how do you promote it to the universities and yeah. professors to say, you should incorporate this into your teaching methods? Because from the research standpoint, research is not necessarily in communication with clinical. Right. Like right. right now, you're kind of a little bit of both because you're in research. I'm in clinical and most most practitioners don't want to be a part of either. Like they don't want to be part of both. They want to pick they're, they're partisan. Right. So clinical doesn't necessarily always look at research. Research doesn't always understand what's being in the clinical application. Right. Because you're necessarily just testing on rats. You know, you might not be uh, testing on humans all the time. Right. But the communication has to be there to where if modern medicine and traditional medicine says, guess what? Ashwagandha, curcumin, glutathione, even NAD should be used in traditional medical settings. They need you at, to be able to provide that research to all the universities so they can say, hey, guess what? Medical school. Guess what? Nursing school. You should be implementing NAD in Alzheimer's treatment because here's all the research to show you how effective it is for cognitive decline. Yeah, well, like you say, it's it's all of these fringe sciences, these fringe scientific testing methods. And like you say, the anecdote has been there in Eastern medicine practice for years and thousands of years. <clears throat> and that's something that we cannot argue is if it's worked for thousands of people, then why can why are people falsifying it automatically? You know, and then oh, there's you know ten research articles. They put it in Nature. They put it in Science. And oh yeah, now I I agree a hundred percent. That's a that's exactly what we've been saying the whole time. And that's not how it works. You know, it's it's we need that melding of the Eastern and the Western medicines because I like a, the saying I like to say is that in Western medicine it's really good at keeping your ass alive. In Eastern medicine, it's really good at dealing with chronic illness. And and that's kind of the thing that I think is the biggest dividing point is like you said, doctors and medical practitioners get partisan on what they believe on that this is medicine, this is Western medicine, that we are superior. Um, and But you are starting to see, and that's where a lot of people will hire me or um, consult with me is that that we're, we're the people that are tying the research into the Eastern medicine practices and saying, hey, this, is, this research article was not done in the U.S. It was done in another country. Here's the interpretation of that. And, you know, what do you think about that? And trying to influence them to do research to support to drive that industry because it is about making money. And the more awareness, the more presence that we can bring to specific research, the more money that that concept is going to grow and develop into so uh it's a it's definitely a consumer driven market like most things but at, at the same time a lot of the consumers don't believe they have the power to uh influence these things yeah let me let me ask you this chuck do you believe it, that we have the ability to live forever uh you know i have been working with some a few uh medical practitioners and naturopathic doctors that do believe so and they've shown um support with uh scientific uh, evidence that does um support that we can push you know the, the the lifespan of humans a lot longer um to answer your question more directly and from a biotechnology standpoint we're starting to harvest organs so i would say that we're not far from it um if we can basically grow organs at this point and get those to successfully transplant into a human being that opens up a whole new ballpark as far as uh accepting 
new organs um, and literally new organs that can just, it's like a car, you know, part breaks, you replace it. It's like, oh, I got this old running like heart right here. This one's been here for a while. Yeah. I do have two new, new liver or whatever. Yeah. Stomach, but I got I got 73 years on this heart. I think, uh, I think <laughs> the next, the new technology is going to push it to a hundred. So. I mean, cause you can think about like, cause, cause if that's the case, then you have to start thinking about like, well, how do we go and, and go live on Mars now because we're going to need the space, you know, and, and then beyond that and beyond that, because it's like, if everyone can live forever and they choose to, then well, where are we going to put all these people? <laughs> well, I <Yeah>. mean, <laughs> it, it opens up a lot of different like requiems to where you don't really know you can't predict, right? Like chaos theory and all this stuff. Like it, it, once genetics comes into play, if you're able to say, all right, let's look at this possibility because you're probably even dealing with this now. I don't know if you're liberty to say, but let's say that I do have a bad heart. Right. And I say, I'm just born with a weak heart and I'm 45 years old and I can't, you know, beat any more longer than probably 60 with the current heart. I'm going to trade it in heart tech transplants. Now heart uh, surgeries are, far and beyond one of the best types of uh, overall, I guess, uh, possibilities for good uh, compliance with their patients. Like, I guess, far as like heart disease, uh, surgeries and transplants, like they're the standard now. Some of the, the hospitals here in this country, like even the heart hospital here is incredible. It's some of the best surgeons in the world. So you feel a lot better about heart transplants nowadays than you did 30 years ago. Fast forward 10 years from now, is it going to be where I just regenerate my own heart from the beginning when I was born and say, by the time I'm 50, if I genetically test for poor heart health, by the time I'm 50, I'm just going to switch out my heart for a new one based off my own stem cells and my own DNA, knowing that I'm going to accept it. And then two, I'll have like a brand new engine, which means that I could possibly live another 60, 70 yeah. years with this one. Right. I mean, that and, then, and then you're just going to have like, World Guinness Book of Records saying like who's got the longest running heart like uh, you know yeah, like, but, who's got the longest running liver and all that <laughs> but, but think about it like you're doing this right now you're seeing that you're I mean in a petri dish you're growing another organ yes yeah I mean it's 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 crazy I mean if if people would open their eyes more to the current <laughs> research and technology, um, that, that is the things that are happening is they're growing human hearts from pluripotent stem cells and you know, designing them how they want, you know? So like you say, if you got a bad valve, if you, I mean, if you have a, the wrong genetics in it or the bad genetics that are in it, the bad, um, you know, gene, so to speak, or it's, it's just written in stone, then you can literally have, and, and do gene therapy to that heart and, and make it no longer have that and then implant that in your body and that problem is solved. So I mean, um, I, I, I look, at I agree. It. Yeah. I mean, I, like I'm saying, you're, you'd be the one to tell us this because I'm okay. Do you have kids? Uh, yes. Okay. All right. So when your wife was pregnant around, you know, maybe 12 to 14 weeks, they did a blood test, right. To see yes. what the gender was going to be. And yeah. then, and then if there was going to have like down syndrome, right. Okay. Is it possible in this day and age right now to where, let's say that test came back positive for down syndrome. Could you say with what you're possibly researching and doing that we're going to switch that gene to where that kid is going to be born without down syndrome? So there is a doctor in China that just performed this and it, it caused a big uproar in the scientific community because there, that is the problem with different countries doing 
medical research is that they do not have the same ethical morals or the legal ramifications if you do perform specific research. Um, and this, this scientist basically um, did kind of a gene therapy like that and actually had two successful births of children that were born from, um, I believe it was a mother that had AIDS and they did gene therapy to the ch children and caused them to have a, um, I think it's the CD24 receptor on the cells to, it's a delete mutation to make sure that they didn't have that. So it didn't interact with the AIDS. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's insane research. And the fact that it worked is pretty darn cool, but it's, it's doing exactly what you're saying. It's using gene therapy techniques to manipulate the outcome of a child, you know, of, of a newborn child. So yeah. It's uh, it, it is. I think it's completely possible. I think in the next five years, you're going to start seeing that stuff in probably the black markets, you know, in just uh, in these countries where it's not um, restricted. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because you're you're a man of science. I mean, we'll consider that. Right. And it's funny because in science, the only loyalty you have is to what the data is showing you. Right. Like what you have proven. Right. Like you can have theories and say, well, I'm going to prove these theories right or inaccurate, right? Like, and so when it comes to ethics and morals, a lot of that doesn't come into play with science, right? That was the whole idea of, of evolution, right? Like in Texas, they don't teach evolution in the schools, right? Because they're saying that's erased from history. That's, that's history itself, right? Which is incredible to think about. If people get pissed off about playing God, you remember, like, was it Molly? Or Dolly, the, the sheep that was back in the, in, in, in the UK, back in the 90s, they cloned a sheep. Right. They cloned a sheep, and no one really, like, caused an uproar. But the second they started using fetal umbilical cord stem cells, people were saying, you can't take from a dead fetus and that was stillborn or abortion or whatever. That's not your right. You're playing God. You're manipulating. They stopped it at, in the 90s. Something came up to where they said, we can start doing this again. What, what changed? Yeah, it. They weren't talking about it anymore. Probably. I mean, yeah. Well, it's. I think, like you said earlier, I think statistical research supported evidence that it is effective in other countries. Raised the eyebrow to the people that do fund a lot of this research and said, "Hey, maybe there's something to this that we missed," or "Hey, let's try this again." Um, you know, and. That's, that's the problem with science is there's always an ethical dilemma. There's always a moral dilemma in, in every research science. And the problem, the biggest problem that we're seeing right now is that people are cherry picking data. They're cherry picking the hell out of it. And they're, they're using only subsets of the data or they're even going as far as manipulating that data and, and changing it to support what they believe. And then they're doing a documentary on it and then everybody gets uh, up in a, in an uproar. And then now it's the newest fad, you know, and it's pushing this market and this industry. And that's why people spend millions of dollars just to do this type of activity. But I think that as long as there, be, I, I, as long as we promote the steam and the STEM sciences in schools and education, I think that we'll be fine. I think, that's the scariest part is that in the actual educational system is they keep taking out the support for these groups and tying in the arts is so much, so important because I find that even as a scientist, even as a very logical minded person, I need my creative outlets. 
and I, I might look like a like a Neanderthal and beaten rocks and stuff like that. But you know, that's where some of these other aspects and other components get to tie in to what I do. I mean, I'll go for a mountain bike ride. I'll you know go make a stack rocks on a river, or I'll, you know I'll do all these different things. I'll meditate, and I like to tie all these things together because it helps me perform optimally. And as long as we're tying this research together, the world of science is going to perform optimally and we'll be, we'll be able to push and expand those edges, you know, the, the current um, impossibilities of the, of our current life, because uh, it takes pushing the, the edges and, and going into those dark areas. And sometimes those morally or ethically, you know, unsound to most, but Hey, it's, it's research, you know, like, uh, one of the schools that I'm applying to does um, traumatic brain injury research. And I mean, like people don't think about it, but how do you perform traumatic brain injury research? You injure an animal and you see how it recovers, you know, like, and that's many times how that research is performed. Um, and again, that's what my job is, is to explain this to people and say, hey, this is what you have to do to currently support what you're trying to recommend or what you're trying to drive home to people. So um, it's just having a better understanding, having a better education as a system as a whole, and, you know, understanding that, you know, not everything's as it's originally interpreted. What's well, like the whole idea of like, you should embrace it because it's going to happen anyways. And that way we can have some common, um, you know, at least some, com some, some common knowledge on like how we're going to do it properly or effectively because or else like you said it's gonna hit the black mark but it's just like anything with like drugs right like now we're having this the uh the psychedelic coming back into into this space into the space of wellness right like and it's like yeah like it's been there and people have been using it very uh, unprofessionally or just very unsafely but now that we can embrace it maybe we can all have a conversation about it and have a positive you know positive drive for it instead of like just see what the hell happens oh right? absolutely <laughs> i think i think medical marijuana is a great example of that and the uses and the applications of that is you know 20 30 years ago that was extremely frowned upon you know and now you're starting to see more research and more stuff done that is supporting you know it's used for anti-seizure medicines and cancer treatments and hunger stimulation and i mean just all sorts of stuff for all sorts of different applications and just like the psychedelics and just like THC or marijuana use, it can be abused, you know, and, and even alcohol, it like, like I tell people all the time, one, one alcoholic beverage is good for you. Anything more than that's not, you know, and, and science supports that as well. So it's, it's, it is pushing the envelope in these fringe areas and in these, these ethical, you know, eggshell areas, but it, it's important to understand why they're doing that, how they're doing it, and if they're doing it properly before you even form your own opinion on it. Because um, a lot of the research that's out there is kind of crappy research, and it's just done hastily and done for business and promotion, and just to get a publication so that they can support their idea, get more funding, and everybody benefits that's involved. Yeah, and what's weird is is that we're having. For the first time I've seen in clinical application, we're having a, a dethroning of the doctor, right? To where you have so much information out there, podcasts, uh, blogs, uh, Instagrammers, influencers, Google. that basically <laughs> they're telling you, here's the stuff that your doctor is not telling you in that, in that doctor's room. 
you want to know about how to reverse this, how to treat this, how to do this. This is what the doctor wasn't told in medical school because they've been told for the same thing for the past 30, 40 years. The institutions and education in the system, they teach the same thing the same way for the past 100 years, right? And it's only now that research like what you're doing is being brought to the forefront of revolutionary epigenetics and revolutionary medicine and all that. The thing is, who's going to control that, right? Because if research isn't doing it in the universities, you're going to have tons of private funding to basically say, we want to promote this agenda and we're going to do our own research. The scary thing is, in traditional medicine, it's already been going on because you have big pharma and you have other corporations that will influence like, yeah, you know what, um, let's, you know, let's take away uh, the idea that it's sugar that's the issue. Let's say it's cholesterol and fat that's going to cause heart disease, not sugar, right? So let's blame egg yolks and butter as the main culprits of heart disease and not sugar. Right. Yeah. So, so just on that same topic, I mean, and how many medical doctors or medical practitioners do you know that order a full cholesterol panel to understand that? Right. Not Nobody, talking. you know, like, and then how many do you know that they say it's a genetic problem or it's a genetic inheritance and then they don't do any genetic testing, you know, like that's, that's the issue on the flip side to go back to something you said a second ago. I think that is such a cool thing about the time frame that we're in is that now, because you do have citizen scientists that are calling people's bluff and you do have researchers and science that's getting a little bit of private backing and getting some, some things that before weren't ethically sound because you're having that you're actually having so much science rejected currently from what it's former belief was that the current research can't even keep up with yeah. the fact that there's being so much stuff that's being denied and saying, Hey, wait, this isn't sound research. This isn't being done properly. So it is rising the opportunity for a new researcher to come in and say, I'm going to research this topic. I'm going to get it right. And I'm going to perform sound research. And you know, it's, it's always a double edged sword. You know, you can do, you can do damage with it or you can do good with it. And it's just, uh, that's, that's, what I'm here for. I mean, I really do feel like that's my, that's my gift um, to being on this planet is to, to help people understand that, to get that message out. And as a scientist, try to dumb it down. Like my problem was when I first got into science is I'd sit there and I'd spew out all this research and, and tell people about these GPC proteins and, and the way that it interacts and this, that, and, and people were like, Whoa, Chuck. Yeah, that's cool. You're a nerd. We get it. Like, shut up. And, but now it's like, I've finally learned how to discuss it with laymen, with people that don't understand the hard science and don't understand, you know, the deep nitty gritty and they don't need to, they just need to understand the concept and how it's applied. You know, like one thing about the luxury of having so much knowledge and education is that we can get and we can accumulate so much knowledge and education. But what you're doing with it is what is the power in that knowledge and education. You can learn everything in the whole world and not be able to apply anything and you're useless. You know, if you learn one or two things and you apply the hell out of those, you can change the lives of millions of people. And, and that's what I think is important is that in a time of specialist and to be a generalist first and then learn to apply your specialties. And, and that's kind of the thing that, I feel like a lot of people are losing the ability of is they get so much tunnel vision from, from just focusing on this one thing, their whole entire life and their whole um, 
pr professional career that they lose the application and the basics and how to communicate that to, to layman's. And that's why you're finding that a lot of scientists can't properly get the research and can't get the grants and the funding is because a lot of the people that are in charge of that don't understand science, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's a, it's a big cycle, but as a scientist, you have to be able to communicate the hard science, the nitty gritty in a very basic way. I agree. Well, cause I read, I read articles, a lot of articles. Like I read it constantly. I'm on PubMed, but the thing is up to date and PubMed can be accessed a lot of times through people with non-medical licenses, right? Like you can search for anything nowadays and there's a research article to back it up as far as what you're dealing with. And like I said, it's a good and bad thing, right? Cause people will go out of their basements and out of their you know, dorm rooms and start studying these things. They start putting it together. And what you find is, is that people like you are pushing the envelope to basically say like, we're never going to settle. And that's what research is, is that even though we figured this out, can we do it better? Is there a faster way to do it? A better way to do it? Can we do it with, that's going to be less expensive? Like for example, like we do vitamin IVs here, right? And so vitamin IVs are very popular. Everyone loves them for hangovers and jet lag and you know, oh, I'm going to Coachella this weekend. I need it to load up on. <laughs> the truth is, is that like if you put things like alpha lipoic acid or N-acetylcysteine in there, those things have been done in research to help like basically treat cancer to treat um, a lot of cognitive issues as well. Like I'm not saying I'm doing it. I'm saying that's what the research has said, right? So it's powerful things. Like I was just looking up a research article from Purdue University. And one of the things they're looking at is you mentioned metabolites and all that. They're checking out this one biological metabolites called 3-HPMA. And it's basically a Kronlian exposure, which I had to go look that up. I had no idea what that was. And it's basically nicotine exposure. So when I'm measuring this test, I'm like, okay, you're low in this because you weren't a smoker. Or if you're high in it, you know, and they say they're not a smoker. I'm like, well, why is it so elevated? Right. Come to find out Purdue university is researching it for its relationship to MS. And they're saying that the higher amount of this in your body, the higher risk you have for MS. And so they talked about treatment protocols and they started putting it, you know, this is the treatment we've been doing, blah, blah, blah. Well, one of the treatments in Purdue University's research articles, Abstract, basically said N-acetylcysteine and alpha lipoic acid are right up there for options for treatment. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, we've been giving that forever here. Like, that's so cool to think about. But it makes me believe that no one else has pushed that in the clinical aspect, right? Because if they have, and you've worked with naturopaths, They've been doing this for 30, 40 years, and they're not telling anyone. They're just teaching another naturopath how to do it, and then they keep it to themselves, and they <laughs> keep it to themselves. But you imagine what we're looking at here is saying, like, gosh, like, this is powerful stuff. Why is this not being emphasized more? Why is this not being pushed more? It's people like you who are realizing this, and I wonder, like, how do we get more people to understand the power of this? Because you're doing all the research. Is it that we need as clinicians to practice more of what y'all are preaching? If that makes sense, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that is definitely part of it. I mean, you have to practice what you preach. Um, you know, it, so Keith Norris was talking to me about exactly that. I mean, a, two years ago when I met Keith, um, 
he was like, dude, I like you. You're, you're freaking speaking my lingo. Like you got it all together and stuff, but you need to get your message out there. You know? And that was like the big thing is I realized that like, Hey, I'm so nose deep in this research and in this science and, and communicating with these people and in what I'm doing and what my truth is and this, that, and the other, but I'm not communicating it with anybody. I'm not getting the message out there. Like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is really cool stuff. This is why I'm so fired up about this and you should be too. And, and that's more of the approach that I've tried to take in the last year is like, Hey guys, like I'm tired of waving my hands around and getting you guys to look at me. So I'm going to try to take a different approach. I'm going to try to make this fun and I'm going to try to communicate this and just go to people that are like-minded and then try to say, Hey, Hey, look who I met the other day. You know, like you've seen them on TV, you've seen them as a celebrity, you've seen them in the fitness magazines. Like but like, this is who I'm talking to. And this is what I'm talking to them about. And, and like all of a sudden they're like, Oh wow, they're a research scientist. I didn't know that. I just knew that they could deadlift 600 pounds. And you're like, yeah, that's cool. Like, I, I agree, dude, that's badass. Like the 600 pounds, that's a, that's a huge landmark, but here's the research that they're doing. And this is what their message is. And this is what they're trying to promote. And, um, I just, I love that. Like, that's my way of networking is like just going out to scientists and, and finding people that do have a little bit of a following and stuff. And a lot of times they have that celebrity status, not because they're science, but because of the actions or the physical feats that they do. And I think that's the paradigm that needs to shift is <laughs> that as a society, we need to stop putting people in a celebrity status and start focusing on the people that are actually promoting a solid message, a supported method, uh, message, you know, because that is really what matters. Not like somebody promoting what they, you know, their sponsor or their endorsement or whatever, you know, like, and then we are so uh, blinded by just this person on a pedestal, like, Hey, come down here. I, I like, I would like to use your stuff too. You know, like that's, we just get so stuck in that bug light, you know, and then it's just, uh, we end up getting zapped in the long run. So yeah. That's how, I, that's like, how do you, how do you make the boring stuff fun? Right. Like that's, that's the, because that, because people like the celebrities, right? Like people yeah. want to see the stupid crap. They like, want to see butt photos and they want to see, like, <laughs> they don't want to hear like, guess what I just solved here. I took this snip over here and I added this DNA thing. And I created an ear. Right. Like, that's pretty cool. But like, that's not going to get likes. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Voices well, like we keep talking about like saving soil, right? Like that's a big passion project. Like how do we do that? And it's like, how do we get people interested in, in dirt? Like, right. like that fun. Like we, you can't like you, I mean, you can, I'm sure because everything's possible, but it's just like, ride a bike. <laughs> like, and it's, how do you get people excited about caring about dirt? And it's just like little things like that. You know, you yeah. someone that's doing something, I don't know, like some weird, maybe a, a, a dirt, a mud sculpture of butts maybe or something. All right. So yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's actually, that'll definitely get more likes than what I was going to suggest. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but the thing, so maybe combining the, the combination of things, but the way that I, that was fun to me is, I mean, I was in cyclists. I've been a BMXer and a mountain biker my whole life and I've played in the dirt. I've built dirt jumps. I've done, I've eaten mud pies. I mean, it's, it's part of, probably the reason my immunity is pretty good to a lot of sickness and illness. But the way that they made it fun for me in college is that there was a Yale collaboration that I was fortunate enough to be part of at my school. Um, and then I was invited to Boston to do a presentation on exactly that soil isolations. And again, the way that they made it fun for me is they said, Hey, 
we're running short on antibiotics and you guys are farming for antibiotics right now by doing soil extracts and isolating microbacteria that's found in these soil extracts. And then you're going to test to see if they're actually producing anything that's a, a potential antibiotic. And I was like, holy crap, that's kind of cool. You know, like I could literally do this this assay and I could be the next person that finds penicillin, you know, like, and all of a sudden I was like looking up all these GPS points at where I'm going to do a soil extraction. And I think, I think crowdsourcing stuff like that is, is really like where it's at. Like, I think that's how we make it fun and that's how we tie it back into the schools. And that's how we teach people um, that, Hey, we're in danger, but as a whole, we can really help uh, do something about it, you know, and, and help others understand that, this isn't just a, a, a butt sculpture made out of mud. This is, this is a whole bunch of potential right here to actually pr produce uh, antibiotics. Hey, Vitamizers, we are so thankful that you guys are listening to this podcast and enjoying it and responding to it. We love hearing your feedback. And to thank you for listening to the podcast, if you haven't ordered an item from the Slenderella store before, we have a discount for you. If you go to www.slenderellausa.com, that link is also below. If you go to that link uh, and use the code WELCOME20, all one word, uh, at checkout, you will get 20% off your entire first order on our website. Again, thank you so much for listening to the How Do You Health podcast sponsored by Slenderella. Please go to our website, slenderellausa.com. Use the code WELCOME20 at checkout and you'll get 20% off of your entire order. Thanks so much, Vitamizers. That, see, that's incredible. And I think when you have people who are excited about things like dirt and antibiotics and the possibilities of creating a healthier tomorrow, you're crossing into the health and wellness world. You're no longer in medicine, right? Because medicine seems very boring to me. Like, you know, it's very mundane and, and it seems like very um, generic and bland. And it's funny because even in the scientific world, like you may or may not have to agree with me on this, but when you talk to a scientist, when you talk to, a, and when you talk to like a blogger, an influencer, someone that's very well knowledge on both sides of the spectrum, um, the, the passion comes out regardless, right? And the truth is, is that people care about health and wellness. They don't necessarily care about medicine anymore, right? Because medicine might have failed them as opposed to health and wellness. There's unlimited possibilities. That's how I look at it because medicines, it's like they're running out of options, right? That's why they're trying to patent nature and saying, well, maybe we can take vitamin C and try to patent that because all these antivirals, antibiotics are not wearing, they're not helping out. I mean, just look in the eighties when the AIDS patients were being treated with chemotherapy, you know, they wonder why it wasn't working. They were throwing antibiotics at AIDS patients, right? When, you know, Dallas Buyers Club came along and said, hey, it's about the peptides and the proteins and the immune uh, system. You need to emphasize those so that person can live long because they're not going to die from AIDS. They're going to die from something else. When we're looking at it now, I've never seen so many people so enthusiastic about vitamins before. I mean, when I was going through school and you were too, when you were in biochemistry class, you had to force students to learn the Krebs cycle and you had to force people to learn organic chemistry. And now people are doing that in their, in their freaking basement because they're like, hey, I can create a new CPG product because I can create anything. There's a problem. Medicine's not going to do it. I'm going to create my own supplement. I mean, that's, that's essentially what they're doing. Uh, absolutely. I, I do. I agree with you 100%. And I, I think I'm a product of that. Um, I mean, I started in the in the health and wellness industry. When I started my personal training company uh, 15 years ago, 
I was one of the first people in my town doing corrective exercise science and, and nobody was. And everybody was like, oh my gosh, these weird exercises, he's doing glute thrusts and all this, you know, like this guy's just weird. And like one of my favorite things, I probably did it to myself, was to go up to a bodybuilder and make him do some of the corrective exercises to improve his posture. And I, like in my head, I'm thinking, man, if this guy got his back stronger, his posture would improve, his chest would stick out more, his delts would pop more. And this guy's thinking, man, these are stupid girly exercises. They get pissed at me. And then it's funny because flash forward 10 years and everybody's like, oh, corrective exercise, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, dude, you're going to hurt yourself because you don't know how you're doing that. And that's the same thing I'm doing with genetics and the research there is I'm trying to jump ahead. I'm doing all this research. I'm keeping, I'm keeping some secrets. I'm not going to lie. So it's like, I'm trying to build a business in that sense. And that's where I see the business opportunity in it. But at the same time, I'm trying to teach people and bring people with me and say, Hey, you know, like this is cool stuff. Like if you just look ahead, if you do your own research, if you form your own ideas, you're going to start brainstorming these new things and these new concepts. And you're going to be able to start predicting what the future looks like and what the science looks like and, and how to apply it. And um, you know, it's so cliche nowadays because you pick up any self-help book and they're telling you the process of how you can hire people to do this, that, and the other. And I mean, I've done it all by myself. Like, I don't, okay. I didn't do it all by myself, but I have done a lot with the skills that I have learned. And, and I, if I can't do it, I try to learn the skill and apply it myself to be hands-on. And then I have another skill in my toolbox, you know, like I'm not just reaching out to somebody else and saying, Hey, can you design my website? Hey, can you edit my logo? Hey, can you make stickers for me? Like I've did all this stuff by myself, you know? And then that's the thing that with the research, I had literally one conversation with one professor. I didn't even think I was going back into the sciences. I was getting a, I was going to school for my business major. And he, after class, he pulled me aside and he said, look, you're asking weird questions about the lack operon and like my, like my, my fellow colleagues, my PhD colleagues are not even asking these type of questions. Like, can you back off a little bit and you just talk to me after class? Like I'll, I'll entertain the conversation. And I thought that was so cool. I was like, wow, this guy's talking nerdy shit with me, you know, like, and, and spending a lot of time with me about that. And it actually molded into the current idea and my current business concept, which is exactly what you said. And that's that if you do genetic testing, you can find protein coding genes and you can test to see if there's protein coding genes that are being properly produced. And then you can upregulate or like, then you can figure out if you need to upregulate, downregulate through whatever uh, administration, whether it's supplementation or medical application. So that's just and and what I told you there is just the the shell. Like I'm not even sharing the the information and the stuff that I'm doing with that information. And um, that's all I've tried to do. I mean, that was exactly what our conversation at Paleo was. Is is I was like, hey, this is my thought, and you're like, yeah, that's absolutely cool. Like you or you get it, and um, I like people that get it. And you know, here's two years down the road, and we're still talking the same stuff. So yeah. Well, I I think the bigger picture is this is that there's us three just talking about this right now, understand that we have to leave this world better than we found it, right? Because science is basically at the forefront of adaptation, right? That's, that's always been the case, right? Either adapt or die. Science is going to be the foundation for telling us the new theories in mathematics, the new theories when it comes to science, epigenetics, whatever it takes, 
even food, for example, right? If we're going to help save food, science is going to solve the problem somehow. But it's the brilliant minds who have learned the basics that are basically going to be put in a room together and say, this is how we change this, right? You know, anytime that any major change has happened, it's basically been a scientist that said like, hey, this is what needs to be done. I've come up with this crazy concept. Everyone's laughed at him or said, you know what? You might be right because that's so different than what we thought. How many Nobel Peace Prize winners have won 50 years after their method or their hypothesis came out? You know, they were crazy at first and like, guess what? You were proven right. And so what I find fascinating is what you know and what you're not telling us is why we were directly connected to begin with. Because there are certain people out there that just get it. Right. How many times have you talked to someone and you're you're blasting all this really cool information, but it's more of just like, I see what you're doing. I see your bigger picture, your goal, your vision. And to be a visionary, not everyone gets that. All right. And I think that's why we were drawn to you is like, I get that. So we expect big things from you. Right. Mm -hmm. In the next five to 10 years. Right. There's a lot of pressure that's being put on you and other your colleagues that basically to come out and say, Here's what all that stuff that y'all been trying and biohacking with and doing all that. Here's what's really works and what doesn't. And oh, by the way, here's the stuff you need to learn about because all the podcasters and influencers will be reading your research articles. And wherever you wind up, they're going to say, this is what Chuck, Dr. Stash is basically, you know, developing. This is what, what, what Chuck's, you know, talking about now. And they, he discovered. <laughs> and all of a sudden now it opens up to the possibility we're saying like, this is the greatest age because if, if we're thinking we can live to 120, whatever we're doing every single day today is leading to us promoting that our kids in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years will say, yeah, I'm going to live till 90 or 10, 100 and still deadlift 600 pounds and still do a marathon and still do acrobatic yoga when I'm 105. I'm not going to wind up hooked up to a ventilator. I'm not going to end up on dialysis. Screw that. Diabetes is not even going to be a thing. To think about that we can basically eliminate diabetes, Alzheimer's, some of the chronic illnesses by some of the research that everyone's doing right now behind the scenes, you don't need accolades for that, right? You don't need celebrity status to do that. I just need to know just like Baldo is and just like you need to know with us that we're all doing this with the same goal. We're doing this for mankind. We're doing this for humans. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just like you said, you, you connect with certain people and you share a passion and you can see anybody, no matter what they're talking about, if they have that passion, they light up like a Christmas tree. And it's the most amazing thing to see is when somebody truly believes and they truly have a vision and they just are willing to do anything about it, whether it's stay up until six o'clock in the morning or miss an extremely important appointment or whatever it may be, you can see that in that person and it, it radiates, you know, like you, you feel it, you get your passion starts driving. You start thinking about the things that you're passionate about. And that's why I think that it, that like, what can we do? You asked that earlier. We can have more social events where we are having intellectual conversation and we are sharing these deep sciences with people and we are true, like truly supporting what's what good science is and, and being the people that are the trusted few that 
that really truly care, you know, that aren't trying to do it for the dollar or not trying to do it for uh, a celebrity status. And, you know, people can read through that. At the end of the day, people, people know the difference. And uh, in a social uh, obligation, we need to step up and we need to educate ourselves a little bit and quit fearing the future, so to speak, because, you know, that's what I feel like a lot of people do is they, you know, they look at science and they're like, all of a sudden you see this guy that's like running around with vials and he's laughing hysterically. And, you know, like you see this mad scientist and you're like, these guys are all crazy. They all talk about deep science and nobody knows what they're talking about. And I don't understand what they're saying. So it's all wrong, you know, and that's, where they go to their, you know, yoga classmate or their um, fellow colleague, and they say, "Hey, you know, did you hear about that new diet or did you hear about this new medicine?" And you're like, oh, "Come on, man! Like, quit, quit going to that person for it." You know, like it's it's completely obvious, but yet because of our own fears and insecurities, we're not going to the people that we've put on a pedestal. Because I know that before I got into this industry and before I got into school as an older adult. I used to almost fear my, my teachers, like my professors, my PhDs, like all the people that were around me that were like that. I feared them. I was like, holy cow, that person's like a God. Like they're going to, they're going to shoot me down with their lightning bolt, like Zeus, if I ask a dumb question. And then in their, in the end and flash forward five, 10 years, I'm having the same conversation with some of these same people. And they're going, no, that's a good thought, you know, and I'm sitting here thinking, oh man, that was a dumb question. And they're just completely entertaining my conversation and they're correcting you. And, you know, it's, it's having that genuine conversation with people about these topics and not just like, oh, you're completely wrong. You know, like you can't be smug about sharing information. You have to just genuinely share it with a passion that people can pick up on because if they pick up on that passion, it's going to be fun for them immediately. They're going to enjoy talking about science. And now you're going to be able to sneak in these deep concepts about metabolites and vitamins and what's good and what it's turning into and how it's helping your body. And that's what I practice as a personal trainer all the time. And I am very fortunate that the majority of my clients, they trust me more than most of their doctors. And in a legal standpoint, I have to be very careful about how I word my advice and, and the things that I am interpreting and the making sure that I'm not diagnosing people, but I'm just giving statistical support off of the objective data that I'm observing. Um, it, it, it's, it's a, that's, that's the thing that we have to look out for is we have to be professional, but we have to also be persuasive, you know, like you have to know your stuff and you have to be able to educate people on that and, and stick up to your guns and say, no, I am right. You know, like the, this is why I'm right. Or this is what supports what I'm saying. Um, and that's science, you know, that's like all too often. And even in celebrity status, we get very dogmatic and all of a sudden what we say is the ultimate truth and everybody else's stuff is wrong. And, um, I don't think anybody knows that, you know, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody knows what's right or wrong, but that that's to me, the fascination in science is that I can use evidence that was supported by other people. And I can say, Hey, this person says it also, you know, that, so this is why it's true. And this is why you should believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't, you're not wrong, right? The idea is more of like, you just haven't been proven that you're wrong. Right. Sure. That's the honest truth. Right. Cause I can have a theory about it. I mean, think about the flat world people that still believe 
that the world's flat, right? And they can have yeah. all this evidence to back it up. And you're just sitting there like, all right, cool. You know, like that's your deal, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that I have no problem with it. We, we emphasize individuality. And, and that's really what we've come down to is that you can be outspoken and say this. That's not a problem. People see through the BS and they weed it all out. But I, I love the idea that there's people out there who genuinely care and are passionate and want to make a difference. And I'll tell the people who listen to this, like you and I, Balder, we're dreamers, right? That's really what it comes to. I think that's why we connected. I saw that in your eyes. I heard it after you talked about you need dreamers. People like yourself, I was the same person. I would sit there in class thinking like, I think I know all this stuff. I'm afraid to ask and speak up, right? Because I don't want to say the wrong question. I don't want to, you know, and there were times I started asking professors certain questions and they would say, well, what do you think? And I'm like, what do you mean? I just said what I think. I want to know if I'm right. Like, can you tell me? And they either didn't know or they really couldn't say I was wrong, right? Because right. you just think about it a different approach, right? So it's incredible because medicine doesn't always think about it that way. Science does, right? They'll say, let's take it from a different approach, a different angle. Let's critically think about this and say, can we try a different approach and maybe we'll get to the same result? And that's how people in our world do it right now, right? Like you in the personal training world now in PaleoFX, health and wellness, um, biotech, those are almost pathways that you created because you listen to your gut instinct. You listen to your intuition. You said, I don't care if people think I'm crazy. I don't care if people think I'm wrong because I know deep down that I'm right. And I know deep down that what I believe has evidence to back it up, regardless of whether people believe it or not. So following your path and listening to your gut instinct is what's gotten people to become noticed and, and basically been accomplished, right? Like no one ever stood out from basically agreeing with everyone and staying in the back and keeping their head down. No one ever changed the world by sitting in the back of the room with a cap over their head, with their head down in the books. It was yeah. the people that spoke up and said, no, you're wrong. That's not the truth. That, you know what? We need to look about it from this way. Those are the people that eventually are proven right, even though at first they were considered nuts. Yeah. And I can tell you this right now. You need to continue to listen to your gut instinct because, like I said, Chuck, we expect big things from you, man. <laughs> and, I, and like I said, even after this conversation today, I have a feeling that there's probably some project that we're going to work on in the future. And yeah. we're going to have to get more people involved. But the soil thing is ours. Right. So tell us, tell us what's your big thing, man. What is your, what is your passion project? Uh, so my passion project is uh, basically combining um, genetic testing with uh, three different industries, uh, both medical testing, uh, agricultural and direct to consumer is what they call it. So it's similar to 23andMe. Um, that's something I've been working on on the side uh, by myself for four years. I, I can't say by myself. I have a series of mentors and a board of advisors and stuff in, in that sense that are that are bold enough and that are good enough mentors that they call me out when I am thinking way out in left field. And they're like, dude, you're, you're wandering in space. Like what's yeah. going on? Like review your stuff and come back to me. Um, and that's, that's my passion project. Like I, I see that there, I see the connection between those industries and I see the need for us to dive into more information on those industries. And I feel that we can learn a lot from animal testing and that's my kind of um, safe way of testing animals without kind of harming them. So um, 
that's, that's my passion project is to tie those three things in. I I'm actually, I have a series of testing kits that I've, uh, in my final round of launching. And then, but like I said, by April, I should have, uh, all the test kits available for market. Um, I'm working like basically with the kind of like the Rob Wolf stuff, they are all about sustainable farming and a sustainable techniques. Um, I believe that genetic testing is kind of the root of all of that. And I currently have potentially about 50,000 animals that I'll be testing, um, in the next year. So it's, uh, that's my passion project and I'm looking forward to just sharing that information with people and getting more people linked up with it. And, um, if it takes off, then the, the next stage is, is completely insane. So that's like what I said, I can't really share too much of that information because that's what separates me, um, in that industry from everybody else that's doing the same thing. Uh, yeah, where, where did that, where did that happen? Do you, do you remember the time was like where you said like, Hey, I, I need to do this cause no one is doing it the way it needs to be done. And you know, yeah, it was that same conversation with my, he's currently a, a, still a mentor of mine, Dr. Matthew Thomas. Um, he is a major in genetics and uh, it was just a, a after class conversation that I said, so this connects with this. And he's like, yeah. And I said, and then this connects with this. And he said, yep. And I said, and this connects with this. And he's like, yeah, you got it. And I'm like, holy shit. You know, like the entrepreneur in me was like, holy cow, I can make a business out of science and make this really cool. And like, I'll be able to live my passion. And, and then like now I'm like four years ahead, I'm going, holy shit, this is taking a lot of time and energy, but you know, this is my passion project. This is the thing that keeps me up at night until two, three in the morning. And when I get into my workflows and stuff, I am working, you know, on it after going to school and seeing eight hours of clients and, um, working on uh, products around the house for my wife and stuff like that. So it's, um, it's things like that, that do create visionaries. You know, if you find a passion, if you get, if you spend the time to be a good mentor, like be the person that you wish you had as a kid, because, uh, kids need good role models and kids need people to look up to. And you would be very surprised at who's watching your actions and, you know, who's following exactly what you're doing. And, you know, one day you meet somebody and they're like, Hey, you're living exactly my passion. You're like, you're, you get it. You, I want to do exactly what you're doing. And you're like, no, you're going to do bigger and better things. Like you're going to do this, that, and the other. And, and just having said that to that person, you're going to meet them in four or five years and be like, Holy cow that is so cool. Like you're so far beyond where I was even thinking. And they're like, yeah. And you said you believed in me. And, and like, little do you know that you're maybe one of the two or three people that believes in that person. And, um, honestly, when I went to, to Texas, that was my cry to the industry. I was like, Hey guys, like I'm onto something like, please pay attention to this shit because it's so big. And I'm telling you, it's going to knock your socks off. And, um, here it is, you know, four years later, a lot of people are doing one part of the thing that I'm planning on doing, but nobody's doing all of it combined. So, um, I know I'll be a leader in that industry and I know I'll be able to share a lot of great information and, and expand, um, all of the communication between all three industries. So it's, uh, it's definitely going to be big stuff. And I, I wish I could share more, but I've been, no, I've been advised by my legal committee. Yeah, I like surprises. So. Yeah, look, yeah. I can tell you this right now. Our, our passion project is we want, we want to save food. We want to make sure that food is free and that every human has the right to fruits and vegetables. And I believe if we're able to provide that for all humans, you address diabetes, Alzheimer's, hunger, and climate problem, climate control. So 
the problem is dirt, right? Soil regeneration of our agriculture is a necessity. And I think people like Rob Wolf and other people like yourself have realized that. And the thing about it is we don't know how to grow food. I don't know how to grow food, right? It's, it's very, it's a disconnect that I've had from my ancestors and we need to establish that again because we can, we could save this earth. Like we can make sure that we leave it better than we found it. And I think there's enough smart people in the world that are saying, Hey, you know what, if they're not going to, you know, if they're still going to be relying on fossil fuel, we're going to do it a different way. I mean, I just saw someone telling me that there's a company out there that's turning plastic into compost. It's I through mean, biotechnology. I mean, that's I mean, using that's, that's microbacteria to break down and, and create uh, natural gas to be used as a fuel source. So yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. And yeah. that, that, that is literally the, like, that's the stuff I deal with on almost a daily basis is like, I see stuff like that. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm going, man, like this is a business idea over here. Like, why don't we, why is nobody working on this? And like you guys are saying, it's because the research doesn't support it or, you know, it's, it's pushing the envelope so far. But again, that's where some of these private companies that are building their own research and development laboratories so that they can do their own stuff. That's where they're going to figure it out. I mean, you think of it, NASA, it, it produced like a stupid amount, like 70% of the household items that we have as far as useful household items like toothpaste and, you know, there's different soaps and stuff like that and detergents. Like those are the people that do that because they're doing research in some lab that nobody knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, you know, the, the possibilities are limitless. And, you know, as uh, if people realized how real our imagined life is, our movies, our, uh, comic books, our you know, superheroes, our stuff like that. Like, if you realize how close we are to a lot of that storyline and a lot of those, um, you know, just uh, beliefs, then we would be in a such better place. Like, we would quit beating ourselves up and quit limiting ourselves and realize that, like, hey, this is we can push this envelope and we can really make stuff happen um, just by you know spending an extra little extra time. And um, I think that it's really cool that other people are sharing the same message and, you know, really doing the thing. And it's just, it's getting that message out and meeting more people and being open just like this to communicate and to talk and, you know, to, to discuss things that, you know, you're willing to discuss it without criticizing it. Like you, you should be able to discuss something educate, like logically support that and then leave the emotion out of it. And that's the biggest thing in our society is that, we let the emotion drive the conversation. And as soon as emotion drives the conversation, the person's like, you're an idiot, get out of here. Like, this is stupid. I'm not even having this conversation. And it's, it's not where it's at. Like if you can take and, and withhold those feelings, withhold that passion and that emotion and say, Hey, okay, I see what you're saying. Maybe just a little part of it. I don't get it all, but I see just a little part. Here's how I believe, and this is why I believe this. And, and honestly, that's the conversations that I have with these scientists is I sit in a room and I sit there and I listen. And I just sit back and I don't even take notes half the time. I just sit there and think. And I'm just thinking and thinking and, oh, they talked about this chemical. I got to remember that chemical. And I think and I think. And then I listen and listen and, you know, they say, oh, and I want to isolate this chemical and I need to test for, okay, that's what I'm, that's what you're looking for. Like, no matter what you say, the rest of the conversation, I know that's what you need. 
And then I wait and I wait and they, they get all emotional and they get passionate and they start getting excited because that's exactly what they want. And then they say, okay, so how can you help us? And I say, I'm going to help you isolate that chemical. And they say, okay, yeah, you, you got it. You're, you, you're it. You're, you're in. And it's like, yeah, it is that simple. You know, like it's just listening, feeding through some of the stuff that, you know, sometimes we zone out on. We all do it. I mean, it happens to the best of us, but picking up and, and hearing those flags and saying, hey, this is an important item. This is an important topic. This is that person's passion item. This is that person's belief. Let me help them with that. Like how many people, if you just simply said that in a conversation and like, Hey, let me help you. You would be amazed at the doors it opens up for you. And, and that's exactly what's happened in building into this industry is I literally just walk, I would walk into scientific discussions and I'd wait and I'd wait and I'd wait. And four hours later, I'm like, man, this person's talking a long time. And then I'm like, Oh, there's my opportunity. They're all alone. I'm going to go talk to them. And then I go talk to them and I tell them my elevator speech. And then I listen. And I listen and I listen and then I tell them, Hey, this is how I can help you. Can you help me? You know, and, and that has opened up so many doors that I, that's my biggest piece of advice is just be patient, be willing to listen and willing to help others. And that's what's obvious in what you guys are doing, uh, both in, in the IV treatments and in the educational side and in the podcast and everything you're doing. So it's extremely, uh, appreciative to, for you guys to have me on on your podcast and involve me in this story. Oh, we, we, we love to, man. We love having conversations like this. I, I could, I'll leave you with this because I know we do need to wrap up, but you know, if you're in the room where you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room, right? Yep. So that's the idea. Your conversation needs to change. If you're bored hearing the same thing over and over again, I've been a sports nut my whole life. I've been a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan and a San Antonio Spurs fan. I could tell you right now, I really could care less a lot of times about what's going on with them because there's bigger things we need to address, right? Yeah. They lose all the time. And they lose all the time anyway, so this, what's the point of it, right? But the idea is saying, like, I look at them, I look at my kids, and I think of all the possibilities, and I think about all the wonders and all the, all the, the connections and conversations and ideas that are being thought of in every person's brain. And every time they post something, they talk about it, they open their mouth, they wait patiently, they listen to a podcast, they have the opportunity to create something that could change the world. And that's all I'm interested in now is conversations about how to change the world. And it doesn't mean it has to change how we look at food. It could be you change that one person's world by telling them, this is how you can help yourself get healthier today. Yeah. And so I think that's why you created your health program. And so I want to leave the, the listeners with a little bit of information about that. So tell us a little bit about your program before we have to go. Uh, yeah. Like where do they find you? Yeah. What's the best? So you can find me at um, all handles at stack training. My last name, S T A C H T R A I N I N G. And you can also go to stacktraining.com. It has all my contacts and all my kind of projects that I work on and stuff. It's a, it's a good landing page to learn more about me. Um, and then otherwise just reach out to me. Uh, it's my formal name, Charles Frank stack third on Facebook. And like I said, I already mentioned my Instagram handle and, um, pretty much any other social media handle will be under stack training. So uh, if you have any questions, contact me directly and I'll be more than willing to communicate and talk with you. Uh, I more than love talking science, but at the same time, you got to remember that we all have business to do. So it's, uh, I'll help you as much as I absolutely can. And, and that's really just my message in this world. 
That's awesome, cool, man. man. That's awesome. Well, I know we could probably keep talking, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again at Paleo. Yes. Uh, maybe sooner than that, hopefully. Maybe we might see you around a little bit more of these parts. Who knows, right? We'll stay in touch with that. But, uh, but no, man, thank you so much for coming on and geeking out with us, and uh, we look to, to speak with you soon, Chuck. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank you.